into this. The past two weeks, we have been in a series called Christmas Gifts, and uh, the first week we actually talked about hope, what hope actually looks like in a tragic situation. We went through the book of Ruth, and we see uh, this story of Naomi, and we see this story of Ruth, who instantaneously both lose their husbands, and through this incredible story of just redemption, um, the loss did not define their story, but how they actually responded to the loss defined what they did. And so it was an incredible story of hope, and last week we actually talked about peace, and um, we talked about it is possible to actually have peace in the storm. And we went through the story in Matthew where the disciples are actually sleeping on the boat. This great storm suddenly arises, and we talked about that word suddenly, that many times often in life things that happen happen suddenly to us. They're unexpected. And so the disciples are there sleeping, and this great storm arises, and they shout out to Jesus, where are you? Are you going to save us? Don't you care that we're about to die? And um, he basically rebukes the storm. He says, peace be still. So we learned last week that even in the middle of chaos that we call Christmas, even in the middle of the chaos that we may have going on right in our life, we can have peace. And this morning, I want to talk to you guys about joy. Not just joy as a feeling, not just joy as something that you experience when you drink a good cup of coffee, or not just joy that you experience when maybe you see your one or your two-year-old do something cool. I'm talking about a joy that lasts. A joy that is undying, a joy that is sustaining, a joy that gets you out of bed every morning and captures you. That's the kind of joy that I want to present to you guys this morning. Um, for many of you guys, you know that Christmas is a season of joy, right? We see it littered all over our shopping malls. If you, if you, um, I remember going to school, it'd be all over the chalkboards, it'd be all over the hallways. You see that word a lot, joy. Maybe some of you have decorated your homes, any huge Christmas decorators? You know what we believe in the McCann family? We look at everybody else's lights. We don't decorate our own. Um, uh, it is like my arch nemesis. My, I'm just trained from my dad. My dad, I remember one year, my mom was like, we need to put up lights. And one year he put up one strand. He's like, I'm done. Um, so we don't put up lights. We look at everybody else's. But that word joy all throughout Christmas is everywhere. It's everywhere. And here's the truth. A lot of us see the word, and we know what it's supposed to be like, but many of us don't experience it for ourselves. Many of us, we say, man, I see this word, I know that Christmas is supposed to be about joy, I know that it's supposed to be about Thanksgiving and opportunity and all these things going on, but everything that I see, I don't feel it right here in my heart. Sometimes the whole endeavor seems to be a straining, monumental effort just to manufacture joy, Right? You ever done this before? Maybe the family comes over, and right before your family walked into your house, you and your wife were just down each other's throats. Like, you're going at it. You're yelling at each other. You're screaming at each other. Maybe you can't focus. You can't agree on a certain thing, and then your family knocks on the door, and you put on your smiley face and pretend like everything's fine, right? So you're... you're, you're you see that joy is something that we need. We see that joy is such a huge thing that is going on in this Christmas season. But maybe you're in here this morning and you're saying, look, I get it. I see it everywhere. Um, I know that it's important. I know that I need it, but I just don't feel it. I just don't feel it. As Christians, we know that we should have true joy this season. But why does it seem sometimes like it's so far out of reach? Here's the main theme that I want to get across to you guys this morning. I think many of us have lost our sense of wonder. We've lost our sense 
of wonder. Let me give you an example. My mom's family is from the Northwest. Okay, so she grew up in a state called Washington, and my grandfather actually lives on an island called Fox Island. And uh, his front yard is Puget Sound. This is crystal clear water, and in the background of Puget Sound is a mountain called Mount Rainier. It's absolutely gorgeous. You have all the most beautiful things in one place. So you walk out the front door, you're on a sand beach. And as soon as you walk out, you're in Puget Sound, you can see fish swimming all over the place. He has a sailboat out there, and you see Mount Rainier. And I remember years back ago, we used to travel back and forth on Christmas for holidays, and uh, we had the opportunity to go to Mount Rainier. And I remember being probably about 10 or 11 years old, standing at the base of Mount Rainier, looking up at this huge mountain going, this is incredible. There's this sense of awe, there's this sense of wonder, and in a moment you feel this big. Because you're at this huge structure that God created that is so marvelous, that is so massive, that is so awesome, and you're just struck with this awe. You're struck with this wonder of like going, wow, God, this is incredible. Now, I would bet that my grandfather, who's grown up there his entire life and sees that mountain every single day, probably didn't have the same sense that I did. Why? Because he's become familiar with it. He's become familiar with this mountain. He doesn't walk up to the mountain and say, hey man, this is incredible. I'm just taken back by this mountain. Why? Because he wakes up every single morning and he sees it. And it begins to be something that is just familiar. And he no longer appreciates the beauty of this mountain anymore. But for me, seeing it the first time, I was struck by it. And here's the thing that I want to get across to you guys this morning. The main thought is this. Deep joy and deep wonder are intimately connected. If we want to have true joy this season, then we have got to learn we can never lose our sense of wonder in who God is and what he has done for us. I constantly lose wonder in the fact that, you ever realize this? I constantly lose wonder in the fact that my fingers obey my will. That my fingers do as I want them to do. I constantly lose fact in the wonder that, I don't know if you realize this, but you're standing on a ground that is actually hurling through space. And the only reason that you're still standing on this ground is a little thing called gravity. Don't we lose wonder of that? That we're this little blue dot in the middle of this solar system that Jesus sent a baby to come and rescue us. I constantly lose wonder in the fact that I have... Five beautiful, amazing people in my family that aren't sick. That as of right now are healthy and loving Jesus. I lose, I take that for granted sometimes. That God has graciously blessed my family with, with health. Psalm 65, 8 says this, The whole earth is filled with, with awe at your wonders. Where morning dawns, where evening fades, you call forth songs of joy. You ever think about that for a moment? Like, just pause and think about it. You wake up every single day and the sun obeys God's will. Like, do you ever wake up in the morning going, oh man, shoot, I don't know if the sun is going to rise today. You don't. We lose, we lose our wonder of that, that every single morning that we wake up and the sun rises and every single day that it ends, it sets. We lose our sense of wonder. With so many things going on around us, especially in this Christmas season, I believe 
We've lost our sense of wonder at this marvelous story, the Christmas story. Because for many of us, our lives are filled with Christmas pageants. We go to plays and we hear, we see the scene over and over and over. We sing the same songs over and over and over. And if it's a different song, it's just an old song done in a new way, right? We lose sense of this awe, of this incredible story. This incredible story that takes place. We have lost our sense of wonder and therefore we have no real joy in this story. But if anything should make us wonder, it is the birth of this child named Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to read a story to you guys in Luke. If you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Um, if you have a smartphone and they have an app called YouVersion, you can download that and uh, you can read the Bible. Here's the cool thing about that app. If you're not a good reader, it'll actually read it to you. So you have no excuses. Um, so, but if you don't, it'll be on the screen. So Luke chapter 2, um, we're going to pick it up in verse 8. Before I read it, let me give you a little context. So this is what happens. I shared a little bit of it last week. But, so Mary and Joseph make this huge pilgrimage to Bethlehem. Okay, which is, get this, this is crazy. This is 80 miles. Okay, they travel 80 miles to go to Bethlehem with a nine-month-old pregnant woman on a donkey. Any takers? <laughs> Any takers? Now, 80 miles doesn't seem that far um, if you have a car. 80 miles on a donkey? No, thank you. Um, 80 miles on a donkey. So this is what happens. They finally arrive to Bethlehem. Remember Joseph? He's looking for room. In the end, he can't find room. And finally, this guy's like, hey, I got a barn. So at this time, Mary has the baby, and, and Jesus is sleeping in um, the cradle. So this is what happens. We pick it up with the shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 11. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. In other translations, that word fear can be wonder or awe. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Now, I've always found that kind of funny. Could you imagine just like doing your, going about your business, working your job, like say you work in the oil field and you're tightening the thing and all of a sudden an angel out of nowhere just appears like, hey, bro, don't, don't freak out right now. Are you serious? Don't freak out right now. You weren't here and now you're here. This is crazy. So he says, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that, that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So imagine it this way. The shepherds are tending to their sheep just like they did every single day. Pretty routine, pretty mundane, nothing extraordinary going on. Attending sheep and all of a sudden an angel appears. And instantly they're filled with awe and wonder of like, oh my gosh, what are we witnessing? What are we seeing? And the angel gives them some good news. Don't you think for a moment, let's just pause and think about this. Don't you think for a moment they would have kind of wondered like, God, why us? Why shepherds? Why not the king? Why not the governor? Why not the priests? Why not the Pharisees? Why not any of those people? Why shepherds? Just keep that in mind. This is key. They were filled with wonder, but it did not come by just hearing good news. 
The awe of the moment was not enough to fulfill this great joy the angel was describing. They wanted to see it for themselves. So we keep reading in Luke 2, uh, verse 12. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom with he will be pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem. Now, I don't know if that would have been my response. If I just had an angel come from heaven, multitude of angels singing, I don't know if I would have said, Let us go to Bethlehem. I'm like, Dude, did you just see that? And they say, let us go to Bethlehem, and they see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So, the shepherds are filled with awe by hearing this good news, but now they're compelled to go and see. So they hear this great news, they witness this incredible scene, as angels coming down, all of a sudden heavenly hosts singing glory to God in the highest. And now they're saying, hey listen, this guy, he's saying the Savior is here. Let's go see this with our own eyes. So they say, let us go see this thing that has happened. I would beg to differ. In this moment, it was not enough to be in awe of all the angel was describing. They said, if the Savior is here, let's go see it for ourselves. So Luke 2, verse 16. And they went with haste, meaning they went quickly. They packed their bags and they chunked stuff in there and they said, let's get out of here and let's go see this. And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it, here's that word again, wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They marveled. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God. For they all had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So... The shepherds hear good news. They quickly pack their bags. They set their GPS coordinates to Mary and Joe, and they said, let's go. When they arrive, everything the angel described is now right in front of them. Isn't that the coolest thing in the world? One, you get this, just, this visitation from an angel, and everything that he says, that he's talking about, you hear it, and you say, my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. And then you say, hey, let's, let's go check this out. They pack their bags, they show up to this barn, and everything the angel describes is now right in front of them. There's this baby, the savior of the world, lying in a manger. Can you imagine the joy, the wonder, the awe? Wonder and joy are deeply connected. There would have been no joy if they weren't struck by wonder. So let me connect the dots for you in this passage. The shepherds were filled with great wonder that compels them into action that leads to their joy being with Jesus. Joy will always begin with wonder and awe. Let me tell you something. If we ever lose the significance of this story, I think our joy will soon follow. This baby that came to earth to save unworthy sinners is the greatest news in history. But let me put it this way. The Christmas story is not just pageants. It's not just plays. It's not just nativity scenes. 
It's not just the hustle and the bustle and the Christmas gifts. It's the fact that God himself clothed himself in human form as a baby in the most unlikely circumstances. That he would be carried on a donkey to a town of Bethlehem that has 200 people in it. That is, has no significance whatsoever. Is he born in some lush hotel? No, he's born in a bar. The Savior of the world takes on human form. I think the passage of Scripture that brings me the most wonder at Christmas is not found in the Gospels, but rather in the hymn in Paul's letter to the Philippians about Jesus. And listen to this. This is incredible. Philippians 2, 6 through 11. And this is everything that we just described. Who though, he's talking about Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You and I were created to live in the shadow of all. We were created to live in the shadow of all. We were created to live in remembering that once you were dead in your sin and in your trespasses. And maybe that's you this morning. You say, I don't know Jesus. I want you to, to know this. You have the opportunity to be a part of the greatest story in the history of the world. That God the Father sent his one and only son in the form of a baby to rescue us out of our wretchedness. So you maybe, maybe you came in here broken. Maybe you came in here feeling guilty or shame. Maybe you came in here and you say, you know what, I just want to check this whole thing out. I'm not too sure about this whole Jesus thing or even this whole church thing. This story is much more than just a Christmas story. It's the story of God making all things new. It's the story of God taking your wretched brokenness and the things that you say, I'm not worthy enough. Remember Christmas. That in that moment when you feel like there wasn't um, a bridge for that gap that you feel or that guilt that you feel or that shame that you feel. That in that Christmas story that God sent his one and only son to rescue you. Every word we speak, action or decision we make, every desire we entertain was meant to be colored in awe. We were meant to live with our eyes gazing upward and outward. Here's the truth, folks. Bad things happen when we lose our sense of wonder of who Jesus is. We become complacent. When you become too familiar with Jesus, when you become too familiar with just God and just this story of it's just church and it's just praying and it's just tithing and it's just doing those things, when all those things just become familiar and mundane and routine, you lose the wonder and the beauty of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Bad things happen when we have no wonder side of us. Bad things happen when we look around and nothing impresses us anymore. You know the truth is, the coolest thing about creation 
is there's wonder and there's awe around you that you can find something every single day to be struck by this magnificent God that we serve. Sin robs that sense of wonder meant to shape every person. When it does, here's the catch. You look for ways to fill the void. You don't have joy, there's an emptiness. Now think about it. If you're not getting your wonderment vertically, which is from the Creator, then you will look for it somewhere else in creation. Let me give you a few examples. So, maybe you don't feel joy this season. Maybe you've lost your sense of wonder. So to replace it, instead of getting it from Jesus, this is what we do. We shop for the buzz. <laughs> Say, okay, I want to get this new stuff. And when you get that new stuff, here's the thing. There is a false sense of joy and a false sense of wonder instantaneously for a moment. It's kind of like this, and I'll be I'll just be honest with you. I got the iPhone 5C, 5 cheap, okay? Don't get the iPhone 5C. And thinking in that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm saving some money. I need a new phone. I'm going to get the 5C. And for a few days, I'm like, man, this is awesome. This is a great phone. And then I drop it, and it's plastic, and it scuffs the whole thing. I'm like, this is a piece of junk. This is junk. Isn't that how it happens with all the stuff that we buy a lot of times? I've said this before, but everything that you purchase and everything that you buy, one day will be Goodwill's drop-off. Okay. That car that you buy, that car that you have, will one day anybody drive over the Batner's Bridge and see all the smash cars? Yeah, yours will be there one day. See, it brings you a false sense of wonder, a false sense of awe. You, you get into that new car and it's great. And listen, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that those things are bad. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying if you wrap your joy up in them, it's going to deceive you. It's going to deceive you. Your friends and family cannot give you the all that you seek. Let me, let me just be real. Your wife or your husband cannot give you the joy that you need. It can only be found in Jesus. That new restaurant, it'll blow you away. They got some good food but it won't introduce you to the heart-satisfying wonder of God. It just won't. That new car will make you happy for a while, but it does not have the capacity to fill your soul with glory. And I want you to get this, church. This is really important. Sadly, all of God is quickly replaced by all of you. Sadly, all of God is quickly replaced by all of you. Let me give you an example. And this, I think this is a great reminder it is impossible to stand anywhere at the Grand Canyon and say, dang, I'm good. It's impossible. You stand at the edge of that Grand Canyon and you go, wow, this is amazing. It's not attributed to your hands in any kind of way. You stand in awe of this huge canyon that is so beautiful but if you got lost in a moment, it could sweep you away. And what does that do? It just reminds you of how big our God is. Here's, here's what's cool. It's impossible to look at the facts of the stars and say, dang, I'm good. Let me give you a few facts. One star named Deneb is so bright, you can see it from 20 quadrillion miles away. 20 quadrillion miles away. You can see that star. That's incredible. One star named Pistol shines 10 billion times brighter than our sun. 
10 billion times brighter than our sun. There are approximately 400 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy alone. That's the galaxy that we live in, the Milky Way galaxy. 400 billion stars in one galaxy. And we don't even know how many more there are. There's only one response, all, of how big, how grand, how great our God is. If we can keep our sense of awe, if we can keep our sense of wonder, our joy will always follow. And the shepherds, what, what happened to them? The angel comes to them and he says, let me tell you about this Savior. Let me, let me tell you about this baby, about this king. He has a plan and he's going to make all things new. And the shepherds weren't ignorant. They knew what was going on. They knew that from all the prophecies in Isaiah that a king would one day come, and now they're the ones hearing the angels saying, hey, go see it for yourself. They're struck with this awe, they're struck with this wonder, and then when they get there, their joy is fulfilled. And it's fulfilled in Jesus. Imagine this. If God's creation alone can bring so much awe and wonder, imagine what his presence must be like. If we can find so much awe and wonder in a grand canyon, in a mountain, in the stars, in the galaxies, in just creation alone, imagine what God himself is like. Imagine what spending time with Jesus is like. There's no comparison. There's nothing beautiful enough on this earth to describe what it's like being with Jesus. Absolutely nothing. Psalms 34, 8 says this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So here's what I've done for you this morning. I wanted to paint you a picture of how big our God is and how significant this Christmas story is. It's not just another story in the Bible. Without it, everything in the Bible would just fall apart. You could count it all void. This story is the most important story in history. And I want you to know this, that Jesus came not only to save the world, but you. But you. He wants you to know, you may think, man, it's menial, it's trivial, it's something small. But maybe there's guilt, maybe there's shame, maybe there's hurt, maybe there's brokenness, maybe there's divorce. Maybe there's death. Maybe there's genuine pain that honestly can't be explained. And you've searched for it in the scriptures and you can't find it. Here's what I want to encourage you to do this morning. I want you to take some time this holiday. In the middle of the craziness. In the middle of all the schedules. In the middle of all the family. And I want you to spend some time with Jesus. And that's where you're going to find real joy. For some of us, we need God to restore our sense of wonder, our sense of awe. We've become familiar. We've become familiar. We've become routine. That a relationship with Jesus is coming to church. Talking to a few people and going out and not cursing on the weekends. <laughs> Honestly, if that's all it was, 
I would want no part of it. It's the fact that I get to wake up every single morning and I get to spend time with the creator of the universe and find my joy fulfilled. And when I find my motivations and my affections drifting, because there's times when I'm like, man, okay, I need to buy that. Or I need to have that. Or I need to do this. I'm not saying those things are bad, but there's times when I'm doing it and I, because I'm not satisfied in Jesus. We've got to be careful with those things. So let's clear a few things up. So this is, I'm going to talk about what joy is and what joy isn't. Real quick. My wife actually gave me this definition. Joy is a discipline an intentional savoring of something of high value, mainly Jesus. So here's the thing. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're not going to feel joy. You're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to still be stuck in those same circumstances that you were. And you're going to go, God, where's joy? But joy is a discipline. It is something that is learned. It is something that we train. And we continually spend time with Jesus, even when we don't feel like it. We cannot look to our circumstances. We don't look to other people. We do not look to our own hearts and our own ability to muster joy. It's not going to happen. We intentionally look on God and we savor Him. We intently look on what He's done in treasuring our salvation. So we look back to this story. I've gone, God, thank you. Because some of you, right now, you're thinking of your past. You're thinking of all the things of why you shouldn't be counted as worthy. Because some of you, you hear this story and you say, that's great, but it just doesn't apply to me because of what I've done or who I am or what I've taken part of. But if you actually go back and you read the verse when the angel says it, he says, and this will benefit everyone. Now, did he say, this will benefit everyone except for the people that did this and that? No. Everyone. So when our circumstances are dark, we discipline ourselves to remember who God is and what he has done. We remember. We say, God, renew my sense of wonder, my sense of awe. When our hearts or our actions condemn us, we discipline ourselves to remember what God has done for us. We remember our salvation, that he saved us, that he freed us. That he freed us from condemnation. And washed us clean with forgiveness. So here's the deal. When you crave and you long for joy, remember who Jesus is. When you're stuck and you don't know what to do, remember who Jesus is. When you've lost that sense of awe and you've lost that sense of wonder and you've become familiar with everything around you, Read that story over and over and over and over and over until it finally sets in your heart. It's a discipline. <clears throat> to be honest with you, I stand in awe that God chose to save a sinner like me. Here's the truth we can talk about the stars, we can talk about the creation. We can talk about all the beautiful things that God's designed and He's created. But the thing that leaves me in utter shock and wonder and awe is the fact that Jesus chose to save. And He does the same for you and for me. 
You know why that gives me so much awe and that gives me so much wonder, and it should for you as well? Because you're well aware of who you are and what you've done. And you're also well aware of trying to discount yourselves and why you shouldn't receive. But yet, he freely gives it. So here's my prayer for you in this Christmas season. May we have a deep sense of wonder that Jesus emptied himself so that we could be filled with deep joy in his salvation. Awe and wonder are intimately connected. You cannot take them apart. If you want joy, you have to stand in wonder of God. You have to stand in awe of God. You have to remember who he is and what he has done, and your joy will follow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for true joy, for true wonder. God, we thank you, God, that this is not just a Christmas story. God, it's not just another scene or another thing that happens in the Bible. God, it is the most important story in the Bible. God, that you came and you sent your one and only son in the most unlikely circumstances to save unworthy sinners like us. God, I pray that this morning, no matter how we walked in here, God, if we walked in here banged up, or God, we walked in here in right standing with you, God, I pray that you would restore our sense of all. God, this holiday would be a season for us to reflect. For us to remember who you are and how good you are. In Jesus' name.